Last week, the Walt Disney Company announced that they were canceling moving Walt Disney Imagineering, also known as the Lake Nona Project, to Florida. About 10 seconds after that, they then came out and said that they were going to close the Galactic Star Cruiser later this year. Thoughts on both of those today on the Adult Meets Disney podcast. Stay tuned. Hey everybody and welcome to the Adult Meets Disney Podcast. I'm your host Tom and I want to thank you for joining me for another week. Like I said, lots of announcements last week about what was happening with the Walt Disney Company primarily in projects that were being scrapped rather than, you know, things that would be up and coming. The first one that happened was uh, talking about the Lake Nona project, which was something that happened back when Chapek was still in control to move all of Walt Disney Imagineering from California to Florida. That's gone now. Also, like the same day, they said, oh, that Galactic Star Cruiser, the Star Wars LARPing experience, yeah, that's gone too. We're getting rid of that. And I think that that's the bigger topic. That's the bigger one that we want to start with. For those who don't know, the Galactic Star Cruiser was a, well, it still is. It still is in existence for the next few months. It's actually going to close as of the end of September, which makes sense. The end of September is the end of Disney's fiscal year. So October 1st is the beginning of fiscal 24. So you want to have this thing gone before the new fiscal year starts so you can pretty much keep it off your books. But the Galactic Star Cruiser is, for the next few months, a two-night role-playing experience where you can become part of your own Star Wars story. And what was upsetting about Star Cruiser is that many of the experiences inside of it were initially sold to us, the general public, as going to be part of Galaxy's Edge, Star Wars land. So things like meeting all the different characters and the lightsaber experience and all of this stuff was supposed to be in Galaxy's Edge. And then Disney decided, well, we're just going to move this to the Star Cruiser and we're going to put it behind the paywall that is the Star Cruiser. Because why have somebody help Chewbacca for free? We could have somebody pay to help Chewbacca. And that was especially true. I should say what was especially true was we could have people pay to do this and maximize our profits. Because remember, all the while, while Galaxy's Edge and Star Cruiser are being built, the studios and streaming are just bleeding money. So they need to come up with a way to continue to prop up streaming, to continue to prop up studios, because since Endgame, there's been maybe one movie that has actually turned a profit. Maybe one. So it's, it's, it's a dicey game over there. Now, what I would say about Star Cruiser in general was that one, people who went to it and people that did it absolutely loved it. So the execution of the event itself, of the experience itself, was very good. And the actors, the cast members who were 
inside of the Star Cruiser. They did an amazing, outstanding job. They not only had to know their own story, like their script, they had to get to know every single guest that was there, or at least the guests that participated or interacted with them. And that's a lot to do. Plus, you're on stage all the time. You don't get a break. Like, you just go. So the feedback from people who experienced this was tremendous. They loved it. Now, I never went on this, mainly because I, I just, I could not afford it. I could not justify that price. But the people that did found it to be great. And it certainly was a unique experience, and it was clearly ambitious on behalf of Disney to do Star Cruiser. And I think that Disney gets a lot of flack for not being creative, for so-called creative bankruptcy. And that is a phrase that I have used, I'll admit it, on the show in the past. I've been, I said multiple times, Disney has creative bankruptcy because they're just pumping out sequel after sequel for, pick something, Frozen. Zootopia, like whatever. But I've been reflecting on that recently. And doing this, like Star Cruiser, it was a creative risk. It was definitely something outside of Disney's comfort zone. And when you take a, a big risk with anything, there could be a giant reward and there could be a giant failure. This one just happened to be a giant failure. And I think that that's, while it's not okay in terms of financial, it is okay in terms of at least you tried something. Because if you don't take creative risks, how are you going to grow? How are you going to become better? How are you going to find what works? You can't just do a million sequels to something or a million reskins of something and call it a day. You have to try something new. And at least they did. And I, I've already can hear people and I already know that there are things on YouTube and Twitter that say, yeah, but Universal's crushing it. Universal's doing all this great stuff. Universal has Epic Universe. They have Nintendo and it's going to be great for them. And Disney's over here going, well, I guess we need another Frozen. And my response to that is simply, how many Shrek, Minions, Secret Life of Pets, How to Train Your Dragon, Harry Potter, Jurassic Parks, and other sequels from Universal are there. There are like a million Minions movies. And if you say, well, that's because the Minions are making money. Well, you just, you just made my point for me. Universal has just as much creative issue as Disney. In fact, I say that at least Disney's trying something new. Universal is making another Harry Potter land. They're making a land on how to train your dragon where there are a bunch of movies. They're making another Minions thing. There already was a Minions ride inside of Universal. Now they're doing more. Disney's at least trying to do something different. And I'll give them credit for that. I will. You know, it, it, did it fail? Yeah. But at least I'll give you credit for it. But where I have concern now is that you had two creative failures in a row. One was the Star Cruiser and the second was Harmonious. Harmonious, which I stand by, I loved it. I loved it. We had some uh, friends over the other night. We watched Harmonious, uh, the Harmonious Live on Disney+. Plus. Fantastic. Loved it. Such a creative show. A very clever take on getting a lot of Disney characters and IP that represented countries from around the world and cultures from around the world. And 
really musically integrated everything. The fireworks were perfectly timed, but it's gone. And who knows how much money went into developing that thing. But they now have these two giant money pits that are gone. Well, one's gone and one is going. I think that unfortunately, that's going to stifle Disney creativity for a while. I think it's going to shell shock them, especially because their financials aren't the best. They're not bad, but they're not the best. And that's going to prohibit them from wanting to take risks. So I'd anticipate seeing more things like more Frozen, more Zootopia, more Moana, all of that. More reskins, more rethings to safe bets rather than taking creative risks over the near foreseeable future. At least until they start making money in streaming or the studios bounce back. So that's a bit of a downer on, on that end. But why did, why did Star Cruiser fail? And I think the one that most people are going to go to is that Star Cruiser cost an ocean of money to do. There was no way, you know, your average family was going to be able to afford the four to $6,000 for two nights. There's no way. No way. You could have easily have taken a seven-night Disney cruise for that money, or probably less than that amount of money. You could stay at a really nice, in a really nice room in a deluxe villa on Disney property if you wanted to. Or you could just go do something else. You know, for six grand, you could easily take a trip to Europe, to the Caribbean, to wherever. But four to six grand for two nights? Yikes. That is a lot of money. And there's an extremely limited number of people that could afford it. There is. That, that's, it, it, it bites to say that, but it's the truth. Now, that said, and you got to be fair in this, there are things that Disney sells that not everybody can afford. The difference is, it's not targeted towards the general public. So there are things like uh, there's that adventure by Disney that's like a hundred thousand bucks. That's uh, it's like a hundred thousand dollars per person, and it's a flight around the world. You go to every Disney park around the world and a couple of other places. How many people could afford just? Oh yeah, this seems like a good idea. Hundred grand per person. Yeah, there's like four or five of us. Yeah, let's go. Not a lot of people can do that. There's not. And there are how many countless, I mean, that's a, that's an extreme one, but there are how many experiences, even within Walt Disney World or within Disneyland, that are targeted towards, you know, the, the ultra-rich. And that's the difference. They're targeted towards the ultra-rich. You don't target the general public with the ultra-rich stuff. Imagine if they were, if Disney was putting out commercials, or if Disney was had, had ads on social media for that $100,000 Adventures by Disney trip. People would be losing their mind. They'd be like, how can I afford that? That's just ridiculous, da-da-da-da-da. There's a reason that they're not promoting it. There really is. And it's not just Disney. There are multiple other companies that have products or that have experiences that are available, yet they're realistically set aside for the ultra-rich. Like... American Express. American Express, the credit card company, has the platinum card and they have the black card. But the platinum card is not targeted towards everybody. And the black card is especially not targeted towards everybody. You have to have like 
an ocean of money in the bank and an ocean of money in spend in order to be selected for that. Same with the Platinum card. That thing costs $695 a year. They're not going to target everybody with that. They're going to target specific people with that. Airlines. Airlines are the same way. Do you see, like, American Airlines going around and waving flagship first in front of everybody? Or United Airlines waving the Polaris, you know, first class experience in front of everyone? No. No, they usually will promote, like, economy seats. Because that's what the general public goes after. That's it. They target specific audiences with Polaris class or with flagship first. And that's, that's the difference here, is that unlike some of those more luxury experiences, things like flagship first, the American Express black card, uh, and, and even like that $100,000 adventure by Disney trip, they're targeted towards specific uh, people, ta- specific populations. Star Cruiser didn't do that. Star Cruiser was given to everybody. Everybody got that. Disney put a lot into marketing that to the general public. And that turned a ton of people off. Because Disney is expensive enough the way it is. Like, even trying to do Disney on the cheap is tough. Here now, you're saying, hey, general public who's suffering under what's realistically crippling inflation, here's this $6,000 per night adventure. And it's for two days. Come check it out. Do it. Do it. Do it. Wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. And on the flip side, if you wanted to lower the price, lowering the price could not work. It just couldn't. This experience was purpose built for this type of price point. If you lower it, Disney would be operating the whole thing at a loss. Because one, there's the amount of money that went into just building this thing and theming it. And two, the actors who are inside of it, they need to get paid a premium. They need to get paid at equity rates. You're, you're not, you can't, you, you, if you cannot operate this thing in the red and still keep it going, you just can't, it wasn't going to happen. So the best thing that they could do was just get rid of it. You, you, You can't, you can't keep pricing the point down. You'll lose money too much. You can't keep it where it is. Nobody can afford it. And even if you cranked the price and turned your marketing only towards the same group of people that you're marketing that $100,000 adventure by Disney to, there's no repeat value. And that was the other side of this. There was no repeat. You couldn't, if you went back again, like what were you going to do? It was the same story every time. And again, that's nothing against the actors. The actors did an amazing job and were worth every penny that they got and then some. They really were. It's the fault of of your creatives. Why go again and again and again and again if it's the same story over and over and over? So like, if you had a super fan, a super fan may go one time, but then what's the incentive to go back? I know what the outcome is going to be. Now think of it with movies. How many times do you go and see a movie multiple times over? A movie in the movie theater maybe, you maybe go one extra time if it was an exceptionally good movie. I think there's only been one or two movies I have had repeat viewing at in a theater in my life. Most people go one time, if now, even if they go at all. And that's like 20 bucks for a movie ticket. Here, 
you're talking $6,000. It wasn't going to happen. It just was not going to happen. There was no repeat no repeat viewing opportunity for this. It also forced people to interact. And, you know, here we are now, entertain us. A lot of people just want to go on vacation and turn their brain off and just be like, I just want to be entertained. I don't want to have to work. I don't want to have to think. I'm like that. I go on vacation and I just want to turn my brain into off and I'll go where I need to go. I just, I'm paying this premium. Just entertain me, please. That, that's all. That's, that's why I'm paying you the premium. If I wanted to entertain myself, I would not pay a premium and go and do something else. So if I'm paying this premium price, just entertain me. I consider myself a social person, but I, I getting like way involved in doing what's tantamount to LARPing is not something I would like to do. It's not something I, I feel comfortable doing. I just feel awkward doing something like that. So I, I, it, it's, 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 you're further narrowing down how many people can go to this thing. And lastly, it was based on sequel trilogy. And this is something that I and many others have been saying for a long time. Going off of roleplay, if you're going to roleplay on a, on a specific type of IP that not a lot of people like, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be an issue. Forcing people to roleplay in sequel trilogy was not a great idea. And I get it. We had to tie it all into Galaxy's Edge. And that goes back. Galaxy's Edge should not be focused primarily on sequel trilogy. It just isn't going to work. It's not. Look at everything that has come out, minus like Rogue One and Andor. It's not really getting the love. It's not, especially compared to original trilogy and prequel trilogy, which is what this should have been based on. You can incorporate your sequel trilogy every now and then, but it was the original and the prequels that really drove a lot of people. So saying, oh, we're going to make this on sequel trilogy and really double down on sequel trilogy when sequel trilogy does not sell. It doesn't make money. It doesn't have the passion that the original or prequels did. It's not going to work. So there are a lot of things, I think, stacked up against it. I think that most people are going to focus in on price. And yeah, it was expensive. But all these other things happened to fall into it. And they were decisions that were made at the highest of levels. That's where these decisions went wrong. It was not stuff that was done with the boots on the ground team. This was the higher levels that really set this thing up to fail from the get-go. So was it ambitious? Yeah, it was. But the execution of it from that higher level was just a total mess. It really was. And as far as going forward, like, what are we going to do with this thing now? I have no idea. None. Now, a few months ago, I said, well, maybe this can be turned into a Star Wars hotel. Make it like a deluxe resort. Yeah, it's going to require a little bit of infrastructure changes, like you need windows. You know, you need a pool. But, well, we'll, we'll make it work. I mean, kind of, again, reflecting on it and taking the time for it. That would take just an astronomical amount of money. And Disney does not have an astronomical amount of money. And with interest rates where they are right now, borrowing that money to try to finance that project is going to be incredibly expensive compared to if they just did that from the get-go pre-pandemic. That would have been the way to go. So, and even if they do decide to take on the risk of converting this to a normal hotel, how are they going to recoup that cost? What's the ROI on this? 
there really can't be one because they're going to have to continue to charge like that ridiculous premium or they're going to lose money because there's only 100 rooms in the thing. So I, I don't know if it can necessarily be turned into a hotel anymore. Maybe, though, it can be turned into a themed experience as a day trip. Like you can spend a little bit of money to go there for dinner. Make it like a dinner theater. Make it like almost like hoop doo review, but have it be Star Wars themed. You can do that or have it be a day trip from Galaxy's Edge or just make it free. Make it an extension of Galaxy's Edge that you can go to and do a tour, that it's a Star Wars museum, that it's whatever. Make it an extension of Galaxy's Edge. Give people what you promised Galaxy's Edge would be in general. That could be a way to do it. Or just do nothing with it. Just do nothing and let it sit and, I don't know, sell it off piece by piece to try to recoup some money. Or just keep it there and... and Take depreciation against your taxes. That could be another thing you do. Just take it as depreciation, which honestly might be the thing that they end up doing with it. But whatever happens, this thing was realistically set up to fail from the get-go, and it was just a matter of time. I didn't think it was going to be, what, like 14 or 15 months, but it was only a matter of time until it happened. You just can't, you just can't sell something like that. Ambitious and creative as it was, yes, and I will I will celebrate the fact that you took a creative risk. I really will. But selling that to the general public, or even to those who, who could afford it, with no repeat value based on a pipe of the IP that not a lot of people had a passion for, it just wasn't going to work. It really wasn't. And while, we're, while we were processing all of that, we also heard that Lake Nona, the Lake Nona move was canceled. And that's that's the second side of this. Now, this one I think is less uh what would be a good word, less less popular, less guest facing than Star Cruiser. And I think it's getting some spins in the media because of what is going on in Florida with the whole Ron DeSantis thing. So just to to give everybody kind of an FYI on what this was, the Lake Nona project was a Chapek era plan to migrate all of Walt Disney Imagineering to Orlando from California. And the the reason for this was, like, pretty simple. It made sense. It would be cheaper to house everything in Florida than it would in California. It's just generally cheaper to do business in Florida than California. And you could probably get away with paying people less because Florida was cheaper than California. And this move, when it was announced, and it was announced like, oh, wow. I'd say at least two years ago. When it got announced, it got a ton of pushback from from the staff, from employees. And people were kind of given an ultimatum like, okay, you're going to uproot your family and you're going to come to Florida or you can quit. Like, that's where it's at. And you got to let us know by like Friday. It, It was very tight turnaround that this happened, which in hindsight was just the dumbest of decisions because here we are two years later and not only are they canceling it, they never even started to do it. They never, they didn't even break ground. Like, there's, there's still grass there. There's nothing that has come up. They didn't even put a flag in the ground to start measuring stuff on the proposed campus. So that was, you know, short-sighted on behalf of the company. Now, the plan was to build nearly a $1 billion campus in the area and bring about 2,000 jobs to the area 
which would roughly make between $100,000 and $120,000 a year in salary. So that was a fair amount of money to be invested in the area. And the Lake Nona area is about, I think it's southeast of the airport. It's where uh, like the UCF hospital and the VA hospital in, in that area is where it is. So this was not located on Walt Disney World property. This was not located in what was formerly known as Reedy Creek. This was in a completely different area. Uh, and like I said, in that area, nothing's been done. Nothing. There, there's been nothing going on. Just a total mess. And some say that um, some say that the, the, the reason that this isn't happening is because of Ron DeSantis. It's because of what's going on with Disney getting punished uh, for, for speaking up against that piece of legislation. And this is a way of divesting in Florida to be like, hey, when we said we would look elsewhere, we're going to look elsewhere. That's so-called, do you want us to continue to invest in Florida or not? And I think that there may be some kernel of truth. And there are multiple quotes from uh, Disney executives like Josh DeMauro, as well as people uh, who are higher up in Walt Disney World, saying that, you know, the current political climate and some relationships with the leadership in Florida have led to this decision. And I'd be willing to bet that they have. I'd be willing to bet that that's a component of this, but I don't think that it's the entire reason for this. I, I, I just don't. Um, I think it's unfortunate, you know, that, that this isn't going to happen. Uh, not necessarily because of the, the, the folks who, who would have had to uproot their whole life across the country. I, I don't think that. I think that it's unfortunate because of the economic loss to Florida. The, the, the money that was put into it just to build the facility and your salaries to your people are part of it. But what about the money that would have gone into hiring people to be your janitorial services, your plumbers, your electricians, your groundskeepers, uh, all the money that went into servicing the infrastructure and the roadways to get into it, all of the new housing that was going to be bought, so that was more mortgages or rent, all of the money that was going to be spent on food, on donuts, on going to the movies, on all that in the area, all those indirect costs that could have come from it. All that's gone. All of it is gone. It's not, it's not happening. So that's unfortunate for, for the area and for the state. But I don't think it was all about DeSantis. I don't. Uh, I think it's easy, and, and I would like to, blame it on everything that's going on with, with, uh, with Florida. But I don't think that that's the whole truth. Honestly, I don't think that this was ever actually going to happen. Once Chapek got the boot, I think this whole thing was, was done for. It, it, much like Star Cruiser, it was just a matter of time until it was done. And I think it's, it looks good on Disney's part to fully blame it on Ron DeSantis and to fully blame it on what's going on in Florida. I don't think that that's the whole truth, though. Uh, I think that there were more economic issues involved with it. I think they're looking at ways that they can trim costs. And is it really worth it to invest a billion dollars to build this property and to migrate all of our Imagineers over to Florida when we don't have to do it? We can just keep everybody here in California and call it a day. It seems like it was more of a cost savings measure than it was as a divesting in Florida, as unfortunate as that was, uh, rather than, you know, like I said, divesting in Florida or a, or a, or a ha, we told you so to DeSantis. Um, like I said, I think that the DeSantis thing was a component 
but I don't think it was the entire thing. Uh, so keeping Walt Disney Imagineering in California, I think ho ho hopefully helps with two things. One, I hope it brings back people who left. I think that the people who left who maybe are either A, you know, in a job that dis didn't or does not pay as much, or B, maybe still trying to find a job. Uh, hopefully they come back and you can also hire more talent. I also, I also think that this is something that Disney needs to invest in areas where it strategically makes sense. I know you're in a cost-cutting measure, and getting rid of Star Cruiser and not moving Imagineering to Florida are two good moves to save money. But you need to invest in areas that long-term can really make you money, and Imagineering is definitely one of them. Imagineering needs to be funded to the max. It has to be. It's the bread and butter of the company. Like, if, if Imagineering is funded all the way and you have top talent in there, like, imagine the attractions we could get. Imagine the advancement in film technology and CGI and computer animation that we could get to improve studio quality. All of that stuff is certainly possible. Look, just look at, look at a place like Animal Kingdom and what Imagineering did with, with that park. Unbelievable levels of theming that can be done with it. You need to fund Imagineering. And you have them in California, you have them right next to HQ, good. Fund them. Fund them to the max and pay them. That's where your money needs to go. Money doesn't need to go to half of the nonsense that's being put out from, from the streaming services. It does not have to go towards the ridiculous, and I mean ridiculous, budgets for some of these films. It doesn't. And that's why you're losing money on the films, because they have ridiculous budgets behind them. You don't need to put $200 million into an animation. You don't. So let's put the money elsewhere. And let's get some better quality product out there. I think we can definitely do it. All right. But that's everything. Sorry for the rant at the end there. It just, it just gets under my skin sometimes. Uh, but that's all we have for this week. So we'll hopefully see what happens with Star Cruiser when... Only time is realistically going to tell. Uh, and the whole Florida thing, yeah, we'll just grab your popcorn and watch it unfold. It's all we can do. Um, all right, so if you like what you heard here and you want to continue to hear more, please, please like, subscribe to the Adult Meets Disney podcast. Leave a review of this episode, any of our past episodes, our show in general. Uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Podcast. We're also on TikTok. AM Diz Podcast. And do, as always, tell a friend to do the same. Until next time, everyone, I hope you have a magical day.